Hi everybody, this is Simone here, your gerontologist, and of course I'm here to help you make sense of aged care. And we discuss all things aging in the Caregivers Lounge podcast. Today we have a special guest, very, very special guest, my Caribbean sister. Bololo, she's not in the Caribbean, but we have we share Caribbean roots. Um, I am here today with Sensi Lewis, who is a speech pathologist, and we're going to have some discussions today about speech impairments and dementia. And she's going to share a lot with us about the aspects of uh, speech impairments, you know, what caregivers can do, what actually causes speech impairments, and a lot more. So allow me to introduce our guest. Hello. Hello. How are you doing today? I am good. How are you? I am well, thank you. How is it in your neck of the woods? Well, it is actually kind of cold today. Really? (laughs) Yes. We have had some rain. Um, That too here. Good. Well, the rain is good. A little shower never hurts anybody. I prefer to feel cold than to feel heated. Yes, I I agree. So, Sansi, tell our listeners a little about yourself, you know, where you're from, how you got into uh, speech pathology, what piqued your interest with that. Um, let's learn a little bit about you. Okay. Well, my name is Sensi. Um, I currently live in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I've been an SLP for just about three years. Um, most of my experience is pediatric. However, you know, in grad school, you have to do that adult rotation. And I absolutely did love it. Uh, I just didn't like the politics behind of it. So that's why I ventured more into the pediatric side. Right. Um, honestly, when I was growing up, I did not know what an SLP was. I'm from Antigua, never heard of it, nothing. I graduated high school at 15 and I, was, I moved to New York to live with my sister, further my education. Um, and she told me that well, you're going to study linguistics. And I'm like, <laughs> what's that? The study of language. Oh, right. why am I doing that? Because you're going to become an SLP. What is that? She's like, you're going to help <laughs> people to talk. And that's legit what I said. How am I going to help people to talk when I don't even speak English? Because, of course, I spoke dialect, broken English. Right, broken English. Correct. Anyway, that's what they said. And my sister is... 15 years my senior, you know, they, she advised my parents, that's what I was going to do. So I had no choice. That's what I was going to do. So that's what I went and did. All through undergrad, you know, everybody had these stories that, you know, they had a family member who was affected and they had speech and communication issues. And that's what made them want to venture into this field. And I was sitting in class, like my sister said that this is what I was going to do. And here I am. And I never actually fell in love with it until I graduated with my bachelor's. And then I started working with children with disabilities. And it, it's like a light bulb finally went off. And it's like, oh, right. this is what it is. And right. I fell in love with it. And I've been doing it ever since. I pursued my masters I graduated and then sometimes I tell myself that I'm over and I'm an overachiever so then I went Mm -hmm. on and I'm currently in this clinical doctorate program Mm -hmm. and I have 
one more semester and I promise myself I'll not go back to school again, but I'll probably change my mind. <laughs> being an overachiever, I think it's really good, especially for young women, young women of color, of course, yes. to get everything we um, can, especially where education is concerned. So, I'm enjoying you soon enough. Yes. So, today we're going to speak about. Um, I know your expertise would be in the pediatric, but the thing is patients with dementia and some older persons have issues um, with speech, right? Yes. Um, can you tell us anything at all, like how does dementia affect one's speech? Because it's something, or people, even if not dementia per se, but how, what happens in the brain that a person would have some sort of speech impairment? Because I've always been curious about that. Well, with dementia, and just to explain kind of what it is, it's a condition in the brain that it causes memory loss and then um, it affects a person's ability for problem solving skills and other other abilities to think and communicate. And basically what happens is that it the areas in the brain or the structures in the brain are diminished in some way because of some other disease. And I know a lot of times people tend to think that dementia itself is the disease, but it really isn't. It's an effect of other diseases. Yeah. Um, I would say it's like an overall symptoms of different diseases. So like Alzheimer's yeah. and Huntington's and Parkinson's and Louis and Louis bodies and frontal right. temporal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's um, important that people understand that, without it, but you know, without cutting you, that it's an overall uh, symptoms that we're looking at that covers a lot of different aspects where the brain is concerned. Yeah, yeah it does, and. In the brain, of course, there are different, um, there are different lobes in the brain, and speech mm -hmm. is more in the frontal and the, tem the, the temporal lobes of the brain. And right. um, in the frontal lobe, that's where we do our problem solving, our concentration, our thinking, our behavior, which is another, another important characteristic that changes with people with dementia. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, their personality, their mood, and in the temporal lobe, that's where you're hearing your memory and your languages. And the two major areas of language in the brain are Broca's area, which controls your speech, like what you're able to say. And then there's Wernicke's area, which right. is language comprehension. So mm -hmm. most times those areas are affected in the brain Mm -hmm. And that's why they're, they present with language deficits or issues, I should say. Um, right. So that's where speech oftentimes comes in. Right. And so, the, and this is caused by the damage to that, that uh, Broca's area? Yes, Broca's or Wernicke's or just anywhere in the frontal or temporal lobes because that's where our communication um, centers are. Mm -hmm. And that is what causes uh, the effects with our communication, both receptive and expressive communication. Okay. Is there any link between that particular area and aphasia? Because a lot of people with dementia also suffer with... Um, that difficulty of speech and difficulty of swallowing. Is there any link to aphasia and that, that uh, well, speech impairment? 
Yes. I sum it up for myself because this is the only way I understand it. Aphasia right. is also a symptom of dementia. So dementia right. is a symptom from the other diseases and aphasia is a symptom of dementia because right. persons with dementia, they have difficulty with their memory, of course. Um, and it specifically affects short-term memory. So they have right. difficulty understanding like understanding and retaining new information then we have difficulties with attention that's why many of them need reminders so most often when they are consuming a meal they need mm -hmm. reminders to hey you know chew your food swallow you have to, teach them to practice safe eating habits that's why they need um calendars and timers for medication management and other things like that um they tend to be disoriented um and all of those uh fall on the aphasia and they're different types of aphasia um, there is okay there, so that i did not know <laughs> <laughs> there are different types of aphasia and i may kind of bounce all over the place when i say something that triggers something else right but, um you go ahead girl because you need all the information we can get right that's why we're here <laughs> to provide education so with aphasia, the, the aphasia that is specifically related to, or I could say caused by dementia, is primary progressive aphasia. And as, it, as the name suggests, it's progressive, which means it gets worse over time. Right. Primary progressive aphasia, or PPA, it is caused by a new, it's caused by neurodegenerative diseases, which just means that the brain tissue has been deteriorated and it's in those two areas that I talked about. So first it'll present itself as either fluent or non-fluent aphasia. And fluent aphasia is when somebody is able to talk and they can say all these words, but it just doesn't make sense. And right. non-fluent aphasia is an inability to speak or it becomes much more difficult. And they have difficulties with understanding what someone else is saying. Um, and then there's global aphasia, and as that name suggests, it's global. It's the whole brain. It's everything. They have difficulty speaking and understanding words and writing. And I know right. a lot of times we tend to forget that writing is a part of communication. So all of the modalities are affected in global aphasia. Wow. Okay, so I am learning something today, and I know my listeners a lot of my listeners didn't know this, the different types of aphasia. So you think in the, the progressive aphasia, that is the one that persons who are suffering from dementia will most likely have, yeah? Yes. Okay. So tell us, in the, given the dynamics of dementia, given what we understand about dementia um, with the different clinical manifestations, do you think... Um, if caught early enough, let's say with the early onset dementia or even Alzheimer's, do you think, um, you know, SLPs can help in that regard? Because we do know dementia is progressive, right? Mm -hmm. And we do know how it ends. But I am a firm believer in the Montessori approach, which is, well, the behavioral approach, which is what I teach. So I believe once we catch it early enough, the symptoms early enough, there are a lot of behavioral management we can implement to keep the person functioning as normal as they can within given the situation of um, you know what they're experiencing given the symptoms of dementia presenting itself so 
how can a speech pathologist like help dementia patients like compensate for their deficits? Because we know obviously um, a speech impairment is a, a deficit. So how can a speech pathologist help someone like that? Okay, and I like the way that you I, uh, you use that word compensate because it's yeah. very important to understand that with this, you aren't going to return back to a previous level of functioning or prior level of functioning. So as SLPs, we want to ensure um, that you have an accurate diagnosis in order to get the best treatment possible. And once you have possibly that early detection, then you look at that person's strengths and their weaknesses. Because with those two things, you're better able to develop compensatory strategies that are catered toward that person mm -hmm. and understand where they are and the progression or the regression that will happen over time so that you can prepare them for their future language needs. Um, and right. some things that we do for persons with dementia um, is that you use a lot of visuals. So right. you create a memory book. Um, and mm -hmm. what that basically is, it's just like a picture album. So mm -hmm. you can, like the first page will have a picture of that person, their name, and maybe like something that they like so that they could look through that book and it just kind of tells them who they are. Um, I did my rotation at an assisted living facility and what would also be in there, it would be their room number. Um, you would have like a little schedule, like this is where you're supposed to be at this time. Um, right. And using calendars to help with medication management, um, using post-it notes around the room where it reminds you to, flush the toilet or turn off the mm -hmm. lights or turn off the stove right. like just little reminders all around because again remember they have that problem with memory and they're forgetful right. and sometimes they're disoriented so being disoriented sometimes they don't know where they are what time or what time okay. what year what they just they don't know so yeah. they, you want to give them those little reminders um and then, of course, you always have parent and caregiver education and giving the family members tips and strategies that they can use to communicate with their family members with dementia. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it is is it that, is it that um, well, when we speak with, about communication, we know that there are different types of communication, right? Of yes. course, verbal, yes. they're verbal communicator, uh, communication. That is what um, is affected with dementia. Yeah. Uh, nonverbal, it seems like their nonverbal skills are heightened at times. And then, of course, the written is not 100%. Yeah. So in terms of SLP um, assisting, is there any way in the early stages we can get the person to do some sort of speech therapy to, um, you know, to, uh, should I say, long or uh, what's the word I'm looking for is there some way we could get them to do speech therapy to delay the progress of dementia or to delay the effects of the speech impairment in dementia is there any way we can do that well I don't think it will delay the effects but mm -hmm. if we teach them early on like teach them those compensatory strategies early on then it wouldn't be as difficult as the dementia progresses because they'll already be used to it. 
Right. And you mentioned nonverbal. And at some point, sometimes they do become nonverbal. And one of the tips and uh, that we do provide is that if they're having difficulty saying whatever it is, encourage them to try to write it or to draw it mm -hmm. or to gesture it. Kind of like, I forgot, what's that game? Charades? Is it Charades. where you kind of act out what yeah, it is yeah. to do? And then in some cases, I'm not a hundred percent certain like with the resources in the Caribbean of course but they there are AAC devices and what mm -hmm. AAC devices are they're basically like speech generating devices and they have different programs where you have a communication board embedded mm -hmm. on a device or you can actually make a communication board or a communication book where they're able to use these pictures to communicate with their communication partner, their family, their caregivers, to let them know what exactly it is that they want. And mm -hmm. that's why earlier I said, it's important to know their strengths because you could use their strengths to help with their weaknesses when developing the compensatory strategy. And it will differ from person to person depending on where on the continuum they are and what their normal routines are. So you have to make it individualized and it's very important to include that person with dementia and their family members when you are coming up with your treatment plan because there is not a one size fits all. Like it has to be individualized. Individualized. Well, I'm glad we speak, we're on the topic now of treatment plans because as we know, there's no cure for dementia or vaccine or anything like that. But what we do emphasize on is uh, caregiver management and caregiver um, education, right? And of course, we do try our best to educate caregivers on different aspects of dementia, the different types and all of that. But, you know, in my experience, of course, as a gerontologist and someone who works quite uh, closely with persons who have dementia and different types of dementia in the end, Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is a bit time consuming to get the activities down or time consuming to even sort activities. So tell us in your opinion, what do you think are some of the, me the best measures that caregivers can use to manage the communication issues with a dementia patient? Okay. Um... Specifically, like I wrote them down. And <laughs> um, I know with caregivers, it's a really stressful time. And we, mm -hmm. we, tend, we try to stress to these family members, you have to take care of yourself first and try as much as possible to not get frustrated. But when right. speaking with your family member or your person with dementia, it's important to always get their, their full attention. It's kind of like when you're speaking to a younger child. Ensure that they're looking at you. Establish that eye contact so that they are focused on you. You speak slowly, you speak clearly, and you use short sentences. Um, then when asking questions, avoid open-ended questions because they already have these language deficits. So instead of asking them, well, hey, what do you want for dinner? Instead of doing that, you could say, hey, do you want spaghetti or chicken? Right there, you're giving them <laughs> the options. Right. Yeah. So they have something to pick from versus that open-ended question where they have to go deep inside of their minds. 
to try to figure out, well, what exactly are you asking me? What exactly do I want? And then mm -hmm. if they have, which usually they do have these word finding difficulties where they know what they want to say and they, they might say something it. unrelated. And then mm -hmm. you're like, well, wait, what is that? You know, so we want to avoid that because that will later frustrate them. Um, mm -hmm. When talking to them, again, like younger children, you know, that, that term comes into play, once a man, twice a child. So it's kind of <laughs> like the same thing when they get older. You want to allow them enough time to speak, enough time to give you a response. Don't try to finish their sentences or whatever the case is. Um, repeat key information. So the thing that you want them to understand from your message, repeat it. Um, then I mentioned this earlier, um, have them using other modes to explain themselves or to try to get their message across, like the drawing, mm -hmm. the gesturing, and the pointing. Um, there mm -hmm. was something else I wanted to say and I forgot. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but it's just a lot of things that we that we can do. Oh, the questioning. Don't right. ask them, do you remember me? Do you remember the time when, you know, all of those questions kind of put them mm -hmm. in the memory book, like the things you want them to remember, put them in the memory right. book so that they can go through it. Cause chances are, no, they don't remember the time when, you know, no, that they, they don't remember you. And then you have to, you have to put into account their psyche. It's like, okay, you're asking them, do they remember the time when this, and it's probably a joyous occasion and then they can't remember it. And then internally they, they get upset because it's like, you want them to remember this stuff and they actually can't. And yeah. then you will see that mood change. And that's why a lot of times you will then see that aggression and that swift change in mood. That mm -hmm. is, that's where that comes from. Like think about that's it for nice. yourself. If someone keep asking you something and you have no idea what they're talking about, of course you're going to get that. That's you. Yeah, right. for real. I say that all the time. You know, if somebody, I mean, uh, we don't have dementia, but if somebody keeps asking you something and you clearly can't remember, mm -hmm. you start to get a little bit annoyed. You may, be, yes. you may get annoyed with the person because you may say to the person, well, I already told you I don't remember. Yes. And then it would be like, then you're starting to question yourself, like, how don't I remember? Exactly. You know? and, and then you start to, you know, kind of question yourself a little bit there. Exactly. And it could frustrate you. It definitely yeah. could frustrate you. Um, yeah. One other thing, you know, their long-term memory is intact. So whenever mm -hmm. they have these episodes that they go back in time, do not try to reorient them. Talk to mm -hmm. them as if you were there in whatever time it is. So if they are a child, because they'll have periods where they'll go back to childhood, you talk to them as if you are there with them in that childhood moment. Childhood. Do not yeah. try to reorient them back because again, you'll get that aggression and they can be really aggressive. Yeah, I think um, for me, the most important thing, especially where uh, the caregivers are concerned, and I mean professional and non-professional caregivers, because uh, of course, you know, they are family caregivers who yeah are thrust into the role and have no choice but to give up what they're doing to take care of their loved one. And then we have the professional caregivers who um, are getting paid to do that. But yes. in either way, we know that communication is a major issue in dementia, um, you know, when caring for dementia patients. And I always tell my clients, tell my students or people in general that behavior in dementia, behavior is language. So 
what they can't verbalize, you have to look at their behavior to figure out what exactly they're trying to tell you, or you have to look at them, look at the nonverbal cues to see what they are trying to say. Because of course they can't find the words to say, but they may express it through their behavior. So I always tell persons pay attention to pay attention to the patients or pay attention to your loved one's behavior. Because again, they can't verbalize everything that's going on with them. So you know, to wrap up Sensi, tell us, you know, are there any other tips or so you would want to give um, the professional or non-professional caregivers? We know patience is a virtue <laughs> with caring. Yeah. Is there well, a, yeah, anything else do you want to share with the listeners? Well, right now there is nothing else, you know, just <laughs> speak to them as you normally would. They're still in there. Just be that companion for them. Do as much as you can. Help them as much as you can without actually treating them like a baby or a burden. And like I mentioned, care for yourself. Like mm -hmm. if it becomes too much, talk to someone else. I know sometimes it'll be the finances where you can't get someone else to help you to care for your loved one. But at the same time, like just speak to someone else, speak to another family member, come up with a schedule where you're able to delegate the task so that there isn't burnout. Um, and I yeah. know it's easy for me to say this from the outside because I'm not in it, but seriously seriously care for yourself first because if if you're not all the way there you can't help your loved one yes and it tends to get frustrating on the family um member i think one of the reasons is because they see things at times the way it could be or the way it was and they are not really objective in the present situation i've had clients where you know the the the, the they actually have dementia, but the loved one is still, um, you know, they are still, they seem to be in, in, in the mode where the person does not have dementia. And right. so sometimes, uh, and, 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 and you know, it takes a toll on you psychologically when you are in denial, uh, by the way. It takes a toll on you psychologically because if you are thinking that someone is supposed to act a particular way, and the person is not acting the way that you expect, you will get frustrated. So denial, yeah. So as you said, I think self-care is, we're not in it in the, to the point that we don't have dementia loved ones, but we're in it to the point where we work with the persons day to day. And we know how frustrating it can be trying to communicate with someone who can't communicate with us the way we would want to. So I know how that can be. So I agree with you. Self-care should really be, you know, prioritized in these instances. Yeah? Yes. Yeah, definitely. So, Sansi, I want to thank you thank for coming you. on and talking to us. I, I had a wonderful time. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing with us about speech pathology and, you know, uh, what it's all about because a lot of persons know uh, dementia and communication and verbalizing. They know it's uh, a bit difficult, but I don't think they understand the root cause of it. So thank you so much for breaking that down for us. Guys, um, if you want to connect more 
please look at the link in the bio and I will provide a direct link to Sensi on her Instagram page where you can reach out to her if you have any questions concerning speech pathology and speech impairments. And I'm sure that she would be more than happy to give you some feedback or to give you some information or to assist you in any way um, you can. she can. Yes, so, absolutely. Reach out. Yes, we always encourage caregivers, whether professionally or not, reach out and ask a question because dementia care can take a toll on you. It does. So guys, thank you so much for joining us. Another episode of the Caregivers Lounge. Of course, I am Simone, a gerontologist, and I am here to help you make sense of each care, to talk all things aging, and of course, you know where to find me on Instagram, on Facebook, send me an email. I'm very accessible to everyone, all my clients, free consultations for 15 minutes to get an idea of what you're struggling with and how I can help you. So take care, and thanks so much for tuning in. Bye-bye.